Friends, if I may have your attention. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Jack O'Brien and the Wieners. I feel the need for need for Let's just get down to it. Jacksonville's First Coast Honda dealers proudly present the following. High Flyin' with Jack O'Brien and the Wiener. Today's show is brought to you by the Casa Marina Hotel and Restaurant in Jacksonville Beach. By Hardball Creative. By Angie Subs. By Aircraft General Supply. By Victor's Payless. By Kuhn Flowers. By Ascent Aviation, the official flight training sponsor of the High Fly-In Show. And now, live from the 1010XL High Fly-In Studios, here's the host of the High Fly-In Show, Jack O'Brien. Yeah, baby. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the world-famous High Fly-In Show, the only radio aviation hour in in America, probably on broadcast uh, radio. Um, and you turn that up just a little bit there for me, Rob. Rob, good morning. Rob Moscio, our broadcast engineer and uh, and uh, first pilot. What do we call the guy in the right seat there? Go uh, first officer, co-pilot, uh, the guy in the right, uh, the guy that takes the chicken, I get the steak. You take the chicken, he gets the snake, Rob. <laughs> what about the right-hand man, Jack? All right, you want to be my right-hand man. All right, uh, that's good. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the High Flying Show. Now, in our 10th year here on uh, 1010XL, Jacksonville Sports Radio at 92.5 FM. You can also listen to us online at uh, www, although you don't really have to say those W's anymore, do you? 1010XL.com. We have a couple of listen live lines there. And Anyhow, it's great to have you with us this morning, and thank you for listening. And let me introduce my... My guys in the room this morning is part of the high flying crew, starting with the uh, broadcast. The I'm sorry, the uh, flight operations director for Ascent Aviation, sitting in the right seat, Joel Weiner's seat, is John Nafak. Good morning, John. Good morning, Jack. That's chief pilot, by the way, and chief also pi- also senior pilot. Senior I've, chief I've, pilot. I've, I've been there the longest. That happens eventually. You don't all, look all that old, though. I mean, what are you, yeah. like 55 or 60? Yes, I wish I was. Yes, yes. yeah. Yes. I, I think that sounds good to me. Say, say Jack, I think we ought to make mention of the fact that John Nafak was a naval aviator, flew uh, a, 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 a... A7 Corsairs. A7 Corsairs. A4 Skyhawks. Yeah. Right, and you uh, flew, uh, you were 20 years in the Navy, retired? Yes. A lot of it at Cecil Airport here in town. Yep. Cecil, right? when I fly into Cecil now, it's like going home. Yep, for sure. Yeah. How much time you got in that A7? Uh, about uh, 1,500 hours. And you got about, what, yeah. 400 carrier landings? Uh, about 300. Just about 300. Shot shy of 300. Well, yeah. there's a yeah. real qualified yeah. guy, and all of a sudden he comes out of the Navy after having uh, a Ph.D. in aviation from the United States Navy, by the way. And he goes into uh, the commercial world and has been very successful as a flight instructor, and his the people that he instructs love him. And John's got an easygoing attitude. You're one of the nicest guys I've met, John. Well, I appreciate it, Gary. You're not so bad yourself. <laughs> it's a mutual admiration society this morning. Yes. Mm-hmm. You guys slap each other on the back some more. A fellow career naval aviator. John Nafak. And by the way, John Nafak is the, what did you say, the chief flight guy at uh, ASENT Aviation? I've been there since the very beginning with ASENT. And uh, I, I've seen instructors come and go. And I'm the only one still staying there that's been there from, from the very beginning. And you guys now have so. two flight schools, one in Fernandina and uh, over Herlong Field, too. Yes. We do. Absolutely. Right. right. Good to have you here this morning, John. The other voice you heard.
Bird was also former naval aviator, former commercial airline pilot for Northwest Airlines, over 31 years of, of flight with them, Gar Field Benson. Good morning, Gar. Yeah, I'm back with you, Jack. Good to have you here. I love it when Gar's in town. He's only here, John, six months a year. And uh, it's good to have him actually in studio. The other times, we have him on the phone, as you know, but it's wonderful being able to look across the table and see you. Well, it's a lot easier to be able to interject in the conversation and uh, get with the flow rather than sitting there holding the phone in your hand wondering when somebody's going to recognize you. It's hard to see you when you're on the phone, too, Gar, so it's hard to point at you and say it's time for you to talk now. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, we love doing our high-flying show on Players' Championship Sunday. I picked this date intentionally for a lot of reasons. And over the last couple of days, I've been fortunate enough to spend some time um, at the course doing some live radio for 1010XL. And over the years past, as I shared with you earlier, they used to put us in the media center, which is a nice place. Believe me, it's a a well-tuned organization over there. But the broadcast of doing stuff inside the media room it doesn't allow you the opportunity to be out with the peeps. And so 1010XL finally uh, had a nice little area. Uh, in fact, all weekend long, it's what they call Sawgrass Square, which is right at the end. Davis loved the third entrance near 10T. And we were very fortunate to have a nice area there where we could sit with, um, with the crowd, if you will. And they did their radio shows, and I did updates and just had a blast, and it just makes... It makes all the difference in the world to be out on the course. When the patrons are walking by, or the, the uh, people at the uh, TPC, could they see you sitting there? Absolutely, yes. Okay, you're wide open there. It's mm-hmm. not like being in a dungeon. That's really not. It's a heck of a lot nicer. And, you know, I got to work with Mike Dempsey and Tony White, Fat Tony, and also in the midday hour, Joe Cowart and Mia O'Brien, who, who some people think is my daughter, which I'd be proud to have her, by the way, as my daughter. Uh, and also Leon Searcy, former All-Pro tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, of course, Matt Hayes, former UF grad Matt Hayes, who was also on that show. It was a, uh, a very busy for me over the course of Thursday, Friday. But yesterday, watching the Players' Championship, I don't know, John, are you into this golf tournament at all? I, I, I watch it a little bit, but I'm not into it as much. Well, yesterday, I sat there during this beautiful Saturday all day long and watched Scott Scheffler, a giant amongst other golfers on the Pro Tour. I'm not saying that he's an automatic winner today. He's two shots ahead of Siwoo. What's, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, that's how much he's, he's well-known. His name is uh, <laughs> second place, Min Woo Lee. By the way, they go off at 145 today, quarter to two, and Scott Scheffler owns a two-shot lead. Now, you're familiar with the Scheffler family. Well, I've known Scott's uh, parents for well over 30 years, and uh, my four grandkids here in Jacksonville, Scotty Scheffler's their cousin. And uh, I met Scotty a couple times when he was uh, eight or nine, ten years old, and I'm very close with his parents. Parents are absolutely wonderful people, uh, really a great family. Scotty's got three sisters that are all sweethearts. And they've got a very close-knit family, and I can't say enough about uh, their family and and who they are and where Scotty's come from that. You know, an interesting, and, and I did not know that, so I'm glad to hear that. A Scheffler, I did not see one fist pump yesterday. When this guy makes birdie, it's like, it's, it's just like it, it, you can't tell what he's doing. And he's certainly very calm. He's number two in the world. John Rahm uh, withdrew after round one due to a stomach virus. 
How can you how can you withdraw from a tournament that pays four and a half million dollars to the winner? You better be awful sick. <laughs> That's for sure. The the largest purse on the PGA tour ever. Twenty five million big ones, and the winner gets four point five million. Oh, it's up to four now? Four point five. Wow. Last year was three six. Well, anyway, wow. Scheffler goes off with Min Woo Lee at one forty five. And I, I know this is an aviation show. But at the same time, like Gar just mentioned, Gar's a naval aviator, yet he has ties to the leader of the Players' Championship. And on the phone is our air traffic controller and now commercial pilot and instrument-rated CFI, I believe now, Bob Cam. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Jack, and that is absolutely correct. Can you believe it? Hopefully it's my last check ride, but yeah. Um, um, congratulations to you. That's a, that's a heck of an accomplishment uh, to be a CFI for instrument uh, pilots. So, well done. Well, have, well, our, all of our hats are now off in the room to you. Well, I will say this. If you track my career in the high flying with Jack O'Brien and the Wiener Show, I was just a lowly air traffic controller, and look what that. Yes, you were. In fact, I questioned you on many occasions. Why don't you decide to learn how to fly an airplane? And you went, well, well I, I remember you went, well, I went up a few times and I flew around a little bit, but I never really got into it. And then they aged you out at the ATC area when you were 55. Isn't that when yeah, you started 56. flying? 56. 56. I started flying uh, two years before they kicked me out. And Joel was the one responsible for that. Now, I'd always wanted to fly, but you needed three things in order to fly, time, desire, and money. Yep. And when you have three daughters, you you <laughs> got to pick, you know, you pick your poison, I suppose. And um, so now here we are. We're just, we're flying. Now, I will tell you, I was, I'm at the tournament every day, and um, Joel's banners are flying over the tournament. Yes, they are. And I, I get a ton of fun, especially on Saturday before the weather came in, watching his banner guy fight the wind which was quite amusing for me thursday and friday you mean yes or or even uh, yesterday uh, too well yesterday was out there it was beautiful i'm talking about yeah you're right friday uh before the weather rolled in and um the the standard bearer who carries the sign asked me goes how far is the weather away and i said well as long as you see the banner flying you know we're gonna have some time right and when the banner disappeared, you knew we were going to get wet. And that was kind of how we were gauging that play. Now let's, let's talk about what you do out there, Bob. I know you've been doing this with as a volunteer for the players for X number of years. You can share that. But specifically, what you're involved. when I did my updates, I referred to a software program on the computer in front of me. For, it was called ShotLink. Tell us about that. So ShotLink is a system that the PGA Tour put together that uh, enables people to witness online now, obviously, and all the TV graphics are driven mostly through that information where you'll have the person walking with the group keeping track of the strokes. It's not the official score, but we are keeping score, obviously. And um, the other part of that is that we're timestamping the shots so they know the pace of play. Um, we can also call in rules officials if a player needs one, um, we're kind of that link to that, that world. So it's kind of a, I've been doing that for almost 25 years. Total time was 30. I just found that out. I was a little 30 years. I've been doing it. It's crazy. So, so how do you, yeah, uh, Bob, it's Gar. Hey, listen, how do you get assigned a group? Uh, are is it by seniority? The guys that been doing it get to pick who they want to, uh, uh, go out with or do it's arbitrary and you're just assigned a group? 
Now, our group is a pretty senior group of people, and the uh, person running the, the group of uh, score, you know, they call them walking scores, uh, groups us in by seniority, and then it's a lottery from there. So she'll take the top 15 or 10 most senior people, and then she'll draw the, the groups from that particular uh, pool and then assign them. So it's totally random who you get. And some people go, well, who are you scoring for? And I said, I have no idea. We just have to wait and see. So, when, when do you yeah. find that? By the way, who did you score for yesterday? Yesterday, I had a couple, um, a guy named Ryan Fox. Oh, yeah. One of the guys yeah. I was with. He was very cool guy. Uh, the day before, uh, well, actually, Friday into Saturday, had uh, Ricky Fowler and Adam Scott. Those were really cool guys. I enjoyed that very much. And today, um, I'm eight groups from the end. Well, so, Ryan Fox is minus four. Now, I saw you uh, with Adam Scott and uh, Ricky Fowler. Was it Thursday or Friday? Friday. You, Friday, right. And I was barely got a glimpse of you. I was over in the Sawgrass Square area and when they were teeing off on 16. And mm-hmm. uh, so, but who else did you have other than Ryan Fox? You remember? Um, there were a couple guys that I had not heard of before. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and on Saturday or on front, Thursday, rather, I had Matt Fitzpatrick, USF winner, yep. and uh, didn't make the cut though. No, nope. and Victor, Ho- I saw him on a golf cart go out to his car, and then Victor Hovland was on that group as well, and Shane Lowry, who's been on a tour for a long time. So, see, Bob, I got yeah, a couple for- questions. Uh, when you're walking along with the group, do you ever have a chance, or are you able to ever converse with the uh, guys, the the players? No, the, the the rule is that you just don't talk to them. You're just a walking pine tree. I understand that. If one of them, but if one of them says something to you, do you obviously you're going to chat back because you're kind of um, what would you call it uh, talkative? Yeah, uh, Tom Lehman way back in the day was very chatty. Uh, my one of my most interesting interactions was with Rory Sabatini, who was playing awful. Just he was just playing a wicked game of army golf, you know, left, right, left, right. And with about four holes to play, I'm standing on the side of the fairway, and he does a nine-three turn, comes walking right over to me, and says, "Do you go to Daytona to watch the races?" And I said, "Well, I've been to a couple." He goes, "Do you think people go there to watch the wrecks?" And walks away. And sat there for a minute, very interesting. Well, the next tee box, we had a few minutes, and I called him over, and I said, people don't go come here to watch the wrecks. People come here to watch you guys hit shots we in a million years could never see, which is very true. I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. need, you to, I don't need to watch them you know, hit balls in the water. I just go play with Gar, and we'll get more balls in the water than we know what to do with. That's, well, that, true, that's basically true. You will see that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> But I will tell you, you know, listening to some of the conversations, for example, when a rules official comes over and has a discussion with the player about a drop, for example, and this happened with uh, Shane Lowry, who was having a tough day on Thursday, and they're on the side of number 16, and there's a car path in the way, and so he needs a drop. Well, the, he wants to, he has a choice. Do I try to find this gap in trees, or do I pitch out to the fairway? And the a rules official goes, well, I'm looking at this gap, and I'm kind of looking up on the canopy of trees, and there's no gap. I don't know what they're talking about. But they're so good that they're able to pick these gaps. That just makes me go, wow, I, I, that's a game I'm not, I'm not accustomed to. It's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. So, so what time are you going to be out there today, Bob? And you do, but yet you don't know who your, your eighth group back? Is that what you said? 
That's correct. Yeah. Right, let me look here. Hold so, on a minute. Let's start see. counting them up. One, two, three. See, is four. it the ultimate for every uh, score like you uh, to be with the uh, final group? Now, I I have only been with a winner one time, and that was Sable Kim uh, back, uh, you know, about 2019 or 17. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. 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 And uh, that was surreal in a sense that I got to live inside the eye of the hurricane without actually being part of that whole thing. I get to witness it. And the, the amount of intense pressure that those guys were feeling, and I got to just sit there and, you know, kind of wallflower the thing was amazing. And to sit there and sling shots with that much on the line, I mean, it's tons of credit and composure these guys are able to do. It's amazing. So, well, let me ask but, you this, because yesterday they, they went off both sides in threes, right? That's and correct. are they going off in threes today? No, the reason they did that was to compress the schedule. Today's normal, so it's twosomes starting at hole one, and we finished just like you would normally. They, but uh, with the rain coming in and knocking off almost half the you know the last half of the afternoon round on Friday, they needed to compress, and that's why they did three threesomes yesterday. Well, as I look down the list, if I if you just did it mathematically, which I know it is not exact science. But if you went down to 16 players, which is pretty close probably, you're in a group of guys, uh, Patrick Cantlay, Ricky Fowler, they're both at six, six under, Jordan Spieth and Denny McCarthy are in that box too, as well as Justin Rose. I wouldn't be surprised if you hit, and I got one other point I want to make before we get to flying stuff, I wouldn't be surprised if you get any of those guys or, or a couple of them. And then there's Tom Hoagie. Now, on my first or second report on Thursday, or, or may have been Friday morning, I think it was Friday morning, I, I gave a list of golfers who will definitely not make the cut, right? And and it was pretty easy to figure because I figured the cut was going to be around one or two, which it ended up being at two. Well, Hoagie at the time was um, six or seven over, I think, had not completed his round, and I was going to include him in that list but decided that, well, maybe six is this, not really for me to say yet, you know? Hoagie shoots 70. Are you familiar with this, Gar? Yeah. Hoagie shoots 78 Thursday, six over, shoots 68 Friday, makes the cut on the number at two under, two over, sorry, two over. Yesterday breaks the course record, shooting 62 with about a nine-foot birdie putt on number nine, his final hole. And Tom, <laughs> Tom Hoagie's eight under par, man. He's only six shots back. And barely made the cut. Uh, d- yeah, it was yes. on the cut line. Yeah, it's amazing. You know when a guy goes out there and plays like Hoagie did yesterday and he shoots a 62, I, I was just in awe. That is unbelievable. Of all the guys that have shot 63, the best scores on that golf course, all tied, and this guy breaks it with a 62 from out of where, no. And there were huge, out of nowhere. Names, huge names who shot 63. Yes. And then there's Tom Hoagie. Okay, well, Bob, stick with us. Can you stick with us this morning? Let's let's talk a little flying. I am your guy for the rest of the hour. All right. Well, I want to give a plug to Joel Weiner. He's not here today, but his business is Beach Banners. And if you're going out to the golf course today, look high in the sky, and you'll see planes pulling banners. That's Joel's company. And Beach Banners is what I refer to as the advertising highway in the sky. We miss him, but we know he's out doing flying stuff. Also, Bill Stull, our other commercial pilot, is not in the room today. I don't know where Bill is. Do you know where he's at today? He's on a trip. Well, that makes sense. And also, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and also our thanks again to the First Coast Honda Dealer Group. 
They are our title sponsor and have been for many years, and we appreciate their support. And it's also a good morning to head to the Casa Marina Hotel and Restaurant, their Sunday brunch, their famous players Sunday, Sunday brunch is being served today. And if you have not enjoyed that any time in the last uh, oh, few months, we highly encourage you. Plus, it's such a beautiful day. And if you're not going to the players, or if you are, it would be a great stop before or after the round of golf. It is 20 minutes after 9 o'clock. It is daylight saving time here at 1010XL Jacksonville Sports Radio. I'm Jack O'Brien, and this is The High Flying Show. And a very good morning, everybody. Welcome to The High Flying Show, and I'm Jack O'Brien with Garfield Benson and John Nafak here in studio. Also, thanks to my co-host, Joel Weiner, who's taking the day off. He's flying somewhere for money. you got to believe that. And his beach banner business is booming. If you go out to the players or the beach today, you'll see his planes flying around the golf course and at the beach. Bill Stoll's not with us either, but uh, normally he's in the room, and we do miss Bill. So good morning, everyone, and thank you for listening. This is the High Flying Show. A quick thanks to Kuhn Flowers, now the official florist of the High Flying Show. It's good to have them here. And also Angie Subs, the most eclectic sub shop in uh, the universe. You'll find them on Beach Boulevard at Jacksonville Beach, uh, right over the Beach Boulevard Intracoastal Bridge. All right, good morning, guys. I want to talk to you guys. And Bob Cam, by the way, is still on the phone with us, our air traffic controller, now commercial in, uh, let's see how we phrase this. He's a commercially rated pilot, twin-engine commercially rated pilot, who is now a CFI for instrument-rated pilots. Is that right, Bob? That is 100% correct, and it's very scary, isn't it? Yeah, it scares the heck out of me, I'll tell you, and I'm fearless. What? Well, hold on a second, Gar. Oh, here, let me go back to the beginning of the show where you and John were discussing how you flew back in the day. Well, I am actually getting a guy who has not flown in 18 years who flew out of Cecil Field with a naval aviator, flew A7, and he wants to get back into flying. Now, I don't know if people are aware of much how much aviation has changed in the last 18 years, but you want to talk about Darren Headlights. This poor guy, now he has some skills, obviously. But so much of the world has changed in aviation. To, he is completely out of It's crazy to watch. But we're working it, and it's kind of interesting. Interesting you do say that. Same in the radio industry. I mean, I can tell you I've been doing this now over 50 years. And, and in the last 10 years, amazing changes in the radio broadcasting industry. Now what we're doing here at 1010XL, Mia O'Brien explained to me over the weekend that we're going to begin live streaming of our day radio, Monday through Friday radio shows from this room. They're setting up all these cameras, right? Well, then I'm a believer radio is theater of the mind. And I told her this. I said, don't do that. You're ruining radio. And she goes, well, it's the Jack, you're an old man. It's the sign of the times. And she's absolutely right about you're an old man. She said, I said, I thought you were going to be my daughter, a fake daughter, but no more. Anyway, a couple of aviation stories, and I want to get into some things with Gar, Bob, and uh, John. NASA, by the way, this past Tuesday deemed uh, the Artemis One mission, remember that flew late last year to the moon? Uh, They deemed that a success. Well, they said they're happy with the results of the 25-day test. And they also said that because of that, quick progress is now being made toward the next moon mission slated to fly four astronauts. They're going to put live bodies in this thing next time. And they're going to go to the moon around November of next year. That's about a year and a half from now. Uh, I think, why does it take them so long? 
I mean, back in the day of Apollo, they were sending moon missions every four months, seems like. Okay, I've got a uh, World War II undergraduate pilot who uh, shared with me a training sign that they had in their, uh, in their uh, pilot's room, and I wanted to share this with you two guys. Here is what it says. I think you'll love this. Try to stay in the middle of the air. Do not go near the edges of the air. The edges of the air can be recognized by ground, buildings, sea, and trees. It is much more difficult to fly there. <laughs> Gee, oh, that's an old time one. I remember that years ago when I first went through flight training. I was into one instructor's office. Something I read that. Yeah, my other favorite one is uh, out in the middle of a farm field. There's one tree, and in this tree is lodged a biplane. And it's in the tree. How it got there, he must have been flying low and slow, and he ended up in the tree. Well, the caption underneath is, aviation is inherently dangerous. <laughs> Here's another one. Bob Cam, you can comment on this. Bob, what is yeah, this? Yeah. is a sign over the control tower door, by the way. What is the similarity between air traffic controllers and pilots? If a pilot screws up, the pilot dies. But if ATC screws up, the pilot dies. <laughs> That's what we always thought. What about that, Bob? Can you, can you defense uh, that? No, not a, and we would when we would train people. You know, it's a, we do a service in air traffic, obviously, and you can't just you, you would sit there and tell people you were trained and say, "Look, what you're doing has major ramifications to these people." And so, yeah, we would get in the car and drive home, and and there are many times, especially in bad weather, when pilots are getting beat up and and you know, complaining about it or working really hard to get through the weather, and I felt there many times guilty that I was, well, not guilty, but you know, I felt much better that I was getting in my car and I never was going to be more than three feet above the ground. It was great. Did you ever but, spend uh, Bob any time with pilots while you were ATC? Thirty years doing ATC work. Did you ever, you know, spend any any de decent amount of time with them to talk about stuff like that, or do you ATC guys just all stick together? Well, no. Well, for me, I loved going out and meeting pilots and that was kind of my gig so we would do i would have meetings and bill stall and i actually became friends long before the high flying show and he would organize these uh interactions with pilots and we would go in there and i would tell him what i would do as an air traffic controller what's going around you know jacksonville and this is what's happening and you would meet a lot of pilots because they hear your voice and but they would never know what you look like and um and that was a big topic of conversation too so getting to meet those guys was really, really cool. Now, I've met a lot of pilots over the years who I developed relationships on the frequency, but that's as far as it ever went. And to sit there years later and they go, wait a minute, you're... And I go, yeah. And they go, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And, and that's kind of a cool thing. But as a general rule, for pilots to come to the tower and actually visit, which you can do now, uh, is uh, was... Is a very difficult Well, we used to do that in the old days. Uh, we were sitting there for a two or three hour lay or something, just go up to the tower and say hi to the guys. But, Bob, do you remember back, uh, and they probably still do this, ATC controllers uh, would uh, put in for a fam flight, and they would get a, get to fly the jump seat on, on an airliner, and, uh, and they could do that once or twice a year. And uh, so, it, we always uh, enjoyed entertaining the uh, FAA controllers in the cockpit. And uh, they always had insights for us, and we always had insights for them. And, uh, you know, it was really an interesting affair because at least you can exchange ideas in your way you thought and the way we thought and how you do it and how we did it. 
I will tell you, back before 9-11, we could do eight of those, sit in the cockpit for eight trips a year. Oh, wow. I didn't realize uh, there was that many. You could, well, the issue is you were the lowest on seniority. So if I said I want to go to Chicago, I would go to the airport with my paperwork, and if I got bumped by somebody deadheading or somebody else, then I, I would be able to go. But the trips, and about 50% of the planned trips that I actually wanted to take actually went as I planned. But, yeah, you would sit in the cockpit, and they would ask you questions. In fact, a friend of mine lost separation with us and another aircraft while I was in the airplane. And the reason I know that is because there are four, we call them panic vectors, when the controller, you know, realizes the oh no moment, we don't call it oh moment, but I'll do it for radio. Mm -hmm. And they go, they think of only four headings they can give a pilot to save the day, 360, 90, 180, and 270. If you get one of those headings, you know it's going to it's gonna get real interesting. And he came out and said, Turn left heading two seven zero immediately, and I I said, fellas, that's a panic vector. And just then, the uh, TCAS on board the cockpit went off, and you know traffic, traffic. And there I look out the window, and there's another guy doing another panic vector. And I'm like, oh my god, and I'm I'm having I'm having a conniption in the cockpit, and I can't believe it happened. And that's and ca so that's called the a max pucker factor. Well, it was an interesting situation for sure, and and so we spent the next thirty minutes explaining. What happens in the radar room? These pilots were like, "What goes on in the airport? What goes on now? What's going to happen to the guy? What you know?" And so I explain all the processes. Well, they're going to pull him off. They're going to get somebody to relieve him. They're going to listen to the tapes. They're going to listen, watch the radar replay, and you know all that kind of stuff. It was very, very interesting for me. It was a one, it was the first time I'd sit in the cockpit and actually have a conversation that they wanted to know what was going on in the air traffic side of it. Most of the time, I'm asking them questions. And I learned so much about speeds of jets and, and what they like and what they don't like and, and these kind of things. So, yeah, it's a very valuable tool. Nowadays, the FAA only allows them to do two trips a year. And because of staffing, you don't, there's not enough controllers to let you go on what would be, quote, a fun trip, I suppose, to ride in the cockpit. Although I think they're extremely valuable and you pick up something every time you're in the airplane. That's the voice of Bob Cam, former air traffic controller. He knows what he's talking about. And uh, I'm Jack O'Brien. This is the High Flying Show. It is 9.33 on this Daylight Saving Time Players Championship Sunday. We will return with the, with the brand new feature of the High Flying Show. The brand new feature. It's called the High Flying Joke Man. Right after these words. been listening to Sterling Roofing's High Flyin' with Jack O'Brien, the aviation radio. Jeff Lagerman, Kevin Faber, and Kirk Waltz bring you into the outdoors. We've got three big bucks. On the Nimnik Outdoor Show, presented by Duck Duck Rooter, 7 to 10 every Saturday morning on 1010XL. Honda has done it again with their all-new 2023 lineup for SUVs. Passport, Pilot, HRV, CRV, and the popular CRV Hybrid. We have SUVs for any budget. Visit your local Honda dealer. We're dealing. The official aviation flight school of the High Flying Show, Ascent Aviation, is now open in Fernandina. If you've always wanted to take a flight lesson, Ascent Aviation can take you on a discovery flight at Herlong or in Fernandina. A-CentAviation.com. No matter what the reason, a floral arrangement from Kuhn Flowers is the right decision. For fast delivery, call on Kuhn Flowers to make an impression. 
Call 398-8601 Kuhn Flowers. High flying with Jack O'Brien and the Wiener. Mark Watson with Hardball Creative. Youth sports are getting back into full swing, so you know what that means. Custom Yetis so dads can keep their beer or sodas cold. Check them out at hardballcreative.com. Hardball Creative. Hardball does it all. Special thanks to Aircraft General Supply, the area's most well-known general store for aviation parts. If you're a pilot, then you know that getting your parts at Aircraft General Supply takes no time. Usually just a quick call to Ronnie who can get you what you need quickly. And they're home to the Pilot Shop, which is loaded with hundreds of items pilots use, from aeronautical charts to airport directories. Aircraft General Supply. Find them online at aircraftgeneralsupply.com. Hey, high flying fans, Eddie the Moocher here from Angie Subs. You ever driven by Angie Subs and wonder why there's so many cars in the parking lot? Yeah? Yeah? Well, let me tell you why. It's because our oven-baked subs are so dang delicious. Our Peruvian sub, you've heard of it. We sell over 200 of those jokers every day. Pro tip, order it on onion roll and ask for it crunchy. And our fries, Jeff Logaman says, are the best. And he's had fries in 47 states. It's true. He keeps a journal. Angie Subs, near the intersection of Beach Boulevard and Pittman. Lunch and dinner. Where all the cars are. Before or after today's final round at the Players, make the Cast Marina Hotel and Restaurant your first or last stop for the day. Or just hang upstairs in the Penthouse Lounge and watch golf. This morning's brunch offers a beautiful assortment of breakfast and brunch items, and the Cast Marina Hotel and Restaurant welcomes all visitors to enjoy our oceanfront hospitality. The Cast Marina Hotel and Restaurant, First Street North, Jacksonville Beach. This 1010XL 92.5 FM hour is powered by Anajar and Levine Accident Attorneys. Call 1-800-747-3. That's 1-800-747-3733. Now let's return to the High Flyin' Show with Jack O'Brien and the Wiener. Brought to you by your First Coast Honda dealers. High Flyin' with Jack O'Brien and the Wiener. What do you think about that jingle, High Flyin' with Jack O'Brien and the Wiener? What do you think about that? Uh, It's new. I need to have them sing High Flying with Jack O'Brien and Garfield Benson well, and John Nafak. That's not very catchy. Hey, thanks to uh, Victor's Payless. I tell you about Victor's, and I'm about to go there next week. Buy me a new mattress. Victor's Payless. It isn't fancy, but they can beat any big box store's furniture prices easily with his hand tied behind his back. Well, I knew you'd been saying that, and it's over in the west side. It's kind of out of my bailiwick, but if I ever need anything like that, I'm going to jump right over there and take a look and see what he's got. It would be advisable. It's worth the trip. It's spelled V-I-K-T-O-R-S. Look them up online, victorspayless.com. You'll see a wide assortment of stuff. And also thanks to Ronnie Leto. Ronnie Leto at Aircraft General Supply. He's uh, over on St. John's Bluff, kind of a grocery store for pilots. If you need books, aeronautical supplies, things like that, uh, but and also new uh, new uh, airport directories, things of that ilk. But he also fixes planes. So if you've got any issue with your airplane, speak to Ronnie Leto, Aircraft General Supply. And uh, he's been a long-term sponsor here at 1010XL of the High Flying Show. Now, you mentioned a moment ago Bill Stull, who's always been the kind of the the uh, smart aleck of the High Flying Show, right? He was, he's been like the court jester. He, yes. That's a very good way of putting it. The court jester. Well, Bill Stull kind of fondly refers to himself as the joke man. 
you know, and uh, his, some of his jokes are pretty pretty good. They're kind of so, dry, though, sometimes. So he has asked me this morning to read a couple of his jokes, and he wants to get, especially you and Bob Cam and John Nafak, Wiener's not here, Wiener would, would probably thumb his nose at his jokes, but I'm going to read you the first joke and see what you guys think. Now, this is a story of a new plane invented that won't crash. Have you heard of this? The Never plane heard of one that of those. won't crash. <laughs> All right. A new plane has been, according to the joke man. It's one that doesn't fly. It doesn't. Well, we'll get to that. A new plane has been developed, according to joke man, that won't crash. It's made from rubber polymers. It just bounces. Now, it was invented by a famous company. Boing, boing, boing. Uh, Jack, maybe we ought to talk about aviation. (laughs) That's uh, that may be the first and last joke you told. So you on a shall. scale of one to ten, you give that a one. Zero. A z- yeah, what about I, you, John? I give that a zero also, Jack. Man, that's, that's yeah. a rough yeah. crowd. Yeah. All right, our number joke number two from the joke man. How can you tell if a pilot is in the room? How can you tell if Gar or John if a pilot is actually in the room? Uh, yeah, I'm at a loss for that one. You know how you can tell? He'll tell you. <laughs> okay. well, I got a little That's chuckle good. out of there, Bill. That's a good one. Joke man, Bill's moving up the ladder. You on a scale, by, by the size of his watch. Probably. Oh, really? Yeah. On yeah. a scale of one yeah. to ten, you give that one what a three? Well, four, maybe four. All but right. I've got one. If you can always tell a pilot, yeah. but you can't tell him much. That's right. Well, that's not even funny. So that won't even make the joke man. <laughs> well, John liked like it. That I like that one. That's good. <laughs> what is the difference? Final one. What is the difference between a pilot and a large pizza? Well, a large pizza can feed a family of four. Uh, That's a good one. That's I like a, that. I like that one. Yeah, I, yeah, I can yeah. remember that back, back, back <laughs> in probation, 1969. Yeah, that's probably a good one. This is the High Flying Show. It's 41 minutes after the hour. I'm Jack O'Brien with John Nafak, the head of flight operations at ASEN Aviation. ASEN Aviation trains pilots. If you're interested in learning how to fly, and many of us go years. I was talking to my friend on the beach. He's 38 years old. He finally learned I was a pilot. And he goes, man, I've always wanted to be a pilot. I said, well, your time's a-wasting, buddy. You're 38. Let's move it out. I can get you set up with John Nafak and his crew at ASEN Aviation. Excuse me, but he says, oh, I think I wait till I'm about 50. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, John, uh, business at Ascent, that's your primary business, right, is teaching yeah, people ab- how to absolutely fly. Absolutely, yes. Right? Yeah. And, and how, I mean, during a given week, let's say at the Herlong location, how many flight lessons do you guys give in a given week? 20, 30, 40? Well, we have uh, eight active instructors, and we're all very busy. We're, we're doing a couple hundred a week. Well, see, I was totally misunderstanding, miscalculating that. And, and, and Fernandina, is that just as active as Herlong? We, we had just one aircraft located over with one flight instructor, but he's flying a lot. He's, he's, he's maxing the airplane out there 100 hours a month. Well, if you're so. interested, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, don't let the grass grow. If you're interested, even remotely interested, there's two places at ASEN Aviation, Herlong on the west side, Fernandina. Now, you guys do discovery flights, right? Absolutely. We have those. Every day we're doing discovery flights, introductory flights. People who've never been in a small airplane before, they come out and want to fly. What's that cost? hundred bucks? It's a hundred bucks. Okay. Yeah. So if you've got a C note in your pocket and you want uh, can can they bring more? Like, let's say I, I was new at this and I wanted to give you, uh, I get a lesson, give you a hundred dollars. Can I bring my kid too? 
You can bring a one, possibly two passengers based uh-huh. on which airplane you want to fly in. Okay. You know? And what plane are you using in Fernandina? 172? Uh, one, 172. So okay. it's got four seats. Right. So with the, with the instructor pilot there, you can bring two passengers and yourself, fill it up. Yeah. Four yeah. people. Well, it, 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 is, it enlightened me. I, I got my license when I was 60, so never too old. Right, Gar? That's true, but uh, I think the learning process is uh, a little bit accentuates and goes faster when you're younger because of your reflexes and the interest involved when you're doing it. And I don't know what you experienced, John, as far as uh, older guys like Jack at 60 going through and the young guys at 25 that are doing it. But let's hear what you have to say about that. Well, flying is always a challenge for everyone every day. And and yourself and myself, experienced pilots, uh, you go out and fly today, it's it's a brand new experience for you. Something new will happen. We'll teach you something new. You get get something out of it. Uh, This this A7 pilot starting with Bob Cam, uh, he hasn't flown an airplane less than 140 knots. I mean, the airplanes he used to fly used to take off 140 knots and land at about that speed. Yeah, yeah. And now he's going to fly an airplane that doesn't fly above 140 knots. So uh, it's it's an experience every day. And we have old pilots come out. I flew with a gentleman this morning who's at least 50, 55 years old. And uh, he's, eight, he's eight flights into his uh, training, and he's looking at solo in the next uh, seven, eight hours. Uh, we, we were up at dawn this morning having a great time. And we both agreed it was the best way to start the day. And last month you had Caden here who was about to take her check ride. What's the update on Caden and her check ride story? Caden uh, is uh, waiting to reschedule the examiner to complete her check ride. She'll be done hopefully in the next week or two, and uh, we'll have her back on the show to discuss how that went. Very first day I took a lesson, some, the, the flight instructor, the, the CFI, mentioned the word f- uh, check ride to me. And, of course, it was Greek at that time. But since then, you talk to all these people who've studied and researched and done all the things the, that are necessary to earn your private pilot's license. And checkride becomes a, a nasty word after a while because it's a, it's a nasty test. And especially the first three hours of the exam is one-on-one with a certified flight examiner who will pin you up against the wall and ask you questions that you're not prepared for, and hopefully you've studied and researched enough that you'll at least be able to tiptoe your way around that and, and, and give a reasonably intelligent answer. That's great. You know, maybe John and I can share with the listeners, uh, Navy flight training, how many check rides there we, we had when we were going through. At least uh, eight, nine, ten. Oh. Their phase phase checks every every uh, seven, eight, nine flights. You had a check ride. To That's do. exactly right. Yeah. And uh, we were yeah. we were pushed along rather quickly. I remember I had uh, I think I had twelve hours when I soloed, and they move you right along. And if you don't perform, uh, you basically they say goodbye to you. Yeah. Not not so in general aviation though. We we uh, if you've got the persistence and and uh, the interest, uh, you don't have to. Solo in eight, nine hours. Most of our people are solo in 20 hours or more now. And uh, uh, when we were paid to fly and to train, right? Right. And that was that was the best way to go. But nowadays, people come in, they find the time of the money to to, to, to spend the time on it and, and get it done. And well, so they're all motivated yeah. when they come well, out. Another thing, too, another sidelight is we flew every day, as long as the weather was good. And that when you fly every day, your, your ability to uh, uh, learn about it and it stays with you because it's uh, it's consecutive. Well, these guys, you get a guy that's coming out once a week. Take him a year. Take him about know, a year, year and, and, and a half. 
Yeah, yeah. and you know, and they, there's nothing repetitive about it because they're not there every day that, doing it. That, that's why we tell all the guys come out once a week. Think about flying while you're not here, and as nearly as good as flying if you recall what occurred on the last lesson and can put it to uh, practice. In addition, exactly. and, and it's very yeah. right, and if you sit in your recliner at home and do armchair flying, which is recommended by many CFIs, oh, yeah. uh, when you're training and researching and studying and remembering what's in that cockpit, the armchair flying time is especially important. It's 47 minutes after the hour. This is the High Flying Show. The High Flying Plane of the Month, the Boeing 747. We're going to talk about that Boeing when we return right here on the High Flying Show. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the High Flying Show, the fastest hour in radio. Jack O'Brien, Garfield Benson, John Nafak with ASIN Aviation, Bill Stull, not here today, Joel Weiner, my co-host. Off on assignment today, making money and flying those beach banner planes around the final round of the Players' Championship. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the High Flying Show. And today, we're saluting the Boeing 747 called the Queen of the Skies, known as the first jumbo jet. The 747 came along Gagar in 1970. Tell us about your experience with the 747. Well, it's interesting. Uh, I was getting out of the Navy, and I had a job at Northwest Airlines, and uh, they were launching the first 747 out of, Bo- of uh, Painfield in uh, north of Seattle. I was happened to be the duty officer, and, and I went up to the tower, and I looked out there, and I could see that 747, and, and, and I flew right over Woodby Island at 10,000 feet. And I already had a job at Northwest. I looked up at that airplane and said, I'm going to fly that someday. Yeah. And I did eventually end up flying the 747 last year, last nine years of my career. And I uh, spent three years on the 747-400, which is an absolutely marvelous airplane. Well, it's delivered its final one, handing over the last one to Atlas Air Worldwide. That was in Everett, Washington last week. According to Boeing, 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 the event was attended by several thousand people. A lot of Boeing employees were there to see that come out. And it was the last aircraft, and it's the uh, freighter version of the 747. Uh, almost a million pounds a takeoff gross weight. What did, it was about 995,000 pounds is what it's grossed out as takeoff. And it's a little, the wingspan's a little wider, the fuselage a little longer, just a little bit bigger than the old ones, but it's one heck of an airplane, and Atlas is going to make some money with that beauty flying that kind of cargo around. When Boeing, by the way, their engineers are now on to a more exciting project, Gar and John. This is the, uh, the couple of days ago. They just set a new record for paper plane flight distance. Did you know that? Happened in December. They, it had little to do with their regular workday, but they set a new, a new world record for the farthest flight by a paper aircraft Almost 100 yards, 290 feet. I don't know how many years this goes back at Boeing, but uh, every year they have this at Boeing uh, plants. And uh, the deal is to make a hand-flown airplane out of paper and fly it. They do it in the hangar. And the one that flies the longest and farthest does the winner. And that, over this has been going over the years, and it's a great competition. Uh, the people just love doing it and have a great time. Bill's camaraderie. I was pretty good at, uh, p- at putting together paper airplanes when I was a kid. John, did you ever fold pe- planes, paper together to make airplanes? Abs- All of us absolutely. did Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. All swept-wing planes. Yeah. Now you can buy yeah. these things in, in toy stores, and they teach you how to, how to build them appropriately. Now, I've got time for one more story, and I was going to share a story that wasn't going to be uh, basically very pleasant. I'm going to scratch that, and I want to share one that may be pleasant. Southwest Airlines and Delta may have to start paying you the customer, 
if they don't drop an unpopular practice. Now, airlines canceled over 3% of U.S. flights and 24% were delayed during the first six months of last year. That's according to the Department of Transportation. Now, that's up from 2019. They didn't keep many good records from 2020. As Congress begins investigating the airline industry following the recent Southwest get uh, meltdown that happened a couple of months ago, uh, Democratic Senators Ed Markey, he's in Massachusetts, and Richard Blumenthal, he is in Connecticut, Gar and John introduced the Passenger Bill of Rights, which would require airlines to pay passengers at least $1,350 if they're denied boarding, being bumped because oversold flights. Uh, I'm sorry. Every seat that goes empty goes without dollars in it. And they got to overbook a little bit. And Blumenthal is hes a piece of junk, and he shouldn't even... Yeah, you shouldn't even introduce that. It's All ridiculous. Right, well, it's absolutely ridiculous. I know that some people are happy, but the airline, you're right. The uh, Let's see, uh, as I get another note here, the Airlines for America, the trade group that represents most of the nation's carriers, saying that in the interest of all U.S. airlines to provide a positive flight experience, the bill would drastically decrease competition, leading to a subsequent increase in prices. Well, absolutely. They're going to yeah. they're gonna have to make money some way. All right, that's it for the High Flying Show today. Garfield Benson, Bob Cam, John Nafak, Joe Weiner's not here, and the joke man Bill Stahl. I'm Jack O'Brien. Thank you for listening on this Sunday morning. If you're going to the players, have a great time. Adios, muchachos. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the First Coast Honda Dealers High Flying Show with Jack O'Brien and the Weiner. Special thanks to Garfield Benson, Bob Cam, Bill Stahl, and John Nafak. Be listening each month for the High Flying Show here on Jacksonville Sports Radio, 1010XL.